You are listening to More Than a Season podcast with Ashley and Brittany. Join us as we walk through what life is like supporting someone within the sports industry. Real, authentic, behind-the-scenes look at what the support system experiences but no one discusses. Grab a drink, sit back, and listen because we are about to get real. Hey, you. Yeah, you. Stop listening. Press pause. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, scroll down to the ratings and reviews. Select five stars and give us a review. And if you're on Spotify, click our podcast page and click follow and download to listen to all of our episodes. Thanks so much. Enjoy this episode. Welcome back, everyone. Hey, friends. We are excited because we are diving into another interview, but this one is very unique because we have not ventured to the sport yet. Yeah, we're really excited to learn more about this sport. Yeah, so we have a soccer head coach here, so we are going to let her kick it off and introduce herself. Thanks, Ashley. Thanks, Brittany. Really excited to be here today. Alex Wilson from Marshfield, Massachusetts. I am at NCAA Division II institution, Stonehill College, and we compete in the Northeast 10 Conference. I've been head coach here for eight years. It is my alma mater, so it is fun to be coaching where I also played at the collegiate level. I think that's pretty unique and you know, definitely near and dear to my heart husband's name is Pete and we have a two-year-old daughter named Callie and I think she's a lefty so that's kind of a good start out in in the soccer world and I think you know having been a student athlete is really how I got into the role of coaching I was fortunate enough to graduate and go right on for my master's in sports management and participate in a graduate assistantship program. So I was a GA at Franklin Pierce University which is in New Hampshire fellow Northeast 10 conference school So getting right up there and getting my coaching feet wet is a great opportunity and I've never looked back. Yeah, that's awesome. Are you from the East Coast as well? Yes, from Marshfield originally. So, you know, through my journeys in schooling, was gone for about 10 years, lived in different places, all in New England, and then made my way back to Marshfield, where my husband is also from. That's how we met. Uh, We met in high school. We've been married since 2012, but together since, believe it or not, 2002. So it's been quite a journey. And I think you know, one thing that has really kept us through all of the travel, even though it's been mainly in New England, is that he played collegiate ice hockey. And I think us both being student athletes and athletes having that passion, he definitely understands the journey that it is to be a coach and to move through the ranks and obviously to sometimes have to move. I know hearing a lot about, you know, the journeys of of you both uh, has been really cool to hear about because it does take a family when you're in this industry for sure. Yeah, I think that's crazy that you both were involved in sports so much that it just kind of balances out because what we have learned is that when you start out with your significant other and they're in the sports industry, you kind of get thrown into it because I did not grow up. I mean, I know cheerleading to me is a sport like a competitive, but Brittany was an athlete, so she kind of had like a background of it. For me, I was kind of like, wow, this is a lot (laughs) that goes into this in the beginning. The soccer, I know that that is one of those sports that most athletes start very young. And so that's one of those that unless you're incredibly gifted, you have to start off very young to get built up enough to play in college. So I want to know when you were going through college, how you were like, okay, coaching is for me. I feel that inspiration. Like, what was that like? Yeah, I think you're right. A lot of people start so young. It's one of those first sports. A lot of towns offer it. It's across the country. It's across the world even. So just to you know, get thrown in there as a little kid and, and have the ability to stick with it is, is super special. And I know that 
when my time as a student athlete was coming to an end, I just kept thinking, how do I keep this a part of my life? How can soccer still be my you know, number one passion? And not a lot of people really tell you, oh, coaching is a job. It's a full-time job. And I think as a woman too, it's, again, it's not the top of the totem pole, I, I should say, for career choices. But A, hopefully that can you know get better. Uh, and B, I just kept exploring, kept exploring. And my coach here at Stonewall at the time was you know, really supportive and saying, Hey, you need to explore, go talk to other coaches, see if they have assistant positions or graduate assistantship positions available. And I did, and they did. And I was very fortunate just to be able to say, Hey, I can do this. And it's not till I really got into the program at Franklin Pierce doing my master's and coaching full time that I really realized that I can do this. It doesn't have to be a patchwork quilt, even though, you know, it is in the beginning, but I think once you get to a point you know, not all head coaches are are full-time even, and I'm fortunate enough to be a full-time coach. So that's really, as they say, living the dream, as cliche as that can be. I think it's, you know, a realization that if soccer wanted to be a part of my life for this long, and I can't play it forever, the goalkeeper, it's, it was kind to my body, not so much anymore. But I think now it's just a dream to be able to, you know, give that same fuel to the passion of my players here at Stonehill. That's so cool. It's amazing that you get to inspire these young women every single day. And I know that they definitely don't take that lightly. I was a college athlete as well. And I coached for a little bit. So I know that feeling and that connection that you have with the players for some of our audience that kind of doesn't know what soccer entails, or maybe the schedule, could you kind of talk through your schedule? I know it's a lot. So talk through as much as you can. Absolutely. I think you know, for the players, obviously the rigors of the game are so intense and fitness is the baseline. If we want to play a certain way, they need to have their fitness levels high. So they're constantly working year round in the fall season, which is our competitive championship season in the spring. And then obviously throughout the summer for me, our busy period is obviously August to December. That's when we're coming in for preseason, uh, having our season, hopefully into November and December for a nice postseason run. And the recruiting is the biggest piece, as I'm sure all coaches will say, it's just, it's so behind the scenes and yet it's so past, present and future for a program. And we are constantly doing that. The big showcases are all year round, really not super intense in the September, October range when we have our competitive season. But once you hit Thanksgiving time through the holidays into the spring and summer, it's just massive to be traveling and, and trying to mix it in with your practices here and your games here because obviously it's important first and foremost your players that are currently enrolled you know your team but you want to get better so you're going to go out and you're going to look for these players and, and obviously the right academic fit is super important for our school and then obviously the soccer fit and the chemistry fit also but for me it's it's certainly all year round mostly in new england our travel isn't too widespread, but we do have the ability to schedule non-conference games wherever we want. So our last competitive season, unfortunately due to COVID was 2019, but we did go to Miami for two games in seven days. So that was awesome. You know, who doesn't want to leave the, the Northeast in October for sunny Miami? And it was just a brilliant time for bonding for the, the women, but also just to play two competitive games outside of our region. So that travel does pop up probably every other year in terms of outside the region travel, but otherwise, you know, we primarily stay in the East. Okay. I have to ask after hearing all that and you have a little <laughs> one and a husband. So I want to know how do you balance it all? That is a lot to balance. And I'm just soaking all that in all the games and the season. So please like give us your wisdom of how you balance out <laughs> your relationship and your little one. I think a lot of it comes from a great staff here. I have two uh, wonderful assistant coaches in Matt Walker and Jamie Block, and 
they're fantastic. They, you know, travel, obviously, if I have to scoot early, which is pretty rare, you know, they're always there, there's no question. But I think the biggest thing stems from Pete and I, from the very beginning, having that understanding that there's a time where, you know, family is always a number one, always. But being in this career path, and I think having athletics be a part of my life and his life separately, and now our lives together, that was huge because he gets it. He understands that I do love my job. I love the sport. I love the women that I coach. And he gets that. And I think I'm lucky to have a job, obviously, where I can say that because I know it's not the same for everyone. But having family close is key. You know, being within 20 minutes to his family, to my family, there's a lot of help and there's is some juggling at times. But I know that, you know, if something were to come up, it's always family first. And then it would be my soccer family second. And I think that having that understanding and again, having family, you know, all within a couple towns of one another has certainly, certainly been a massive factor to my ability to continue with this, you know, hectic yet enjoyable schedule. Yeah, that's awesome that you have family close by because I know some people aren't as fortunate, but when you do go home and I know that a lot of recruiting takes place, obviously at some of these showcases, but also at night when you're calling these players and things like that, how have you... I guess this kind of goes off the same thing, but how have you kind of been able to do like nighttime routine with your little one, but also talk to these players? What have you found that works best for you? I think that's been one of the hardest things for me and something that I'm very conscious of and continuing to carve out me time. It used to be, hey, call me whenever, I'm always available. And I do like presenting that message, but I realize even more so now it has to be, okay, well, between you know four and six, I'm available. Or after 8.30, I'm available. but not till 10 p.m. Clearly with a little one, I'm trying to crash just as early because again, that's the most important thing. When I walk through the door, I certainly try and check all the work stuff so that I can, you know, go home and just be mom, which can be challenging at times. I think when you are as passionate about what you do as a professional, you know, motherhood comes in and can kind of say, oh, boo, here's your number one role. Now it's mom. And I think having been number one role as you maybe coach and, and wife and friend for so long, it's really opened my eyes to the ability to create time for myself so that I can be the best for my family. And that's obviously massive. So I think for recruiting calls and recruiting emails, I really try and turn it off, you know, by eight thirty, nine o'clock. And even that's on the late side, I try and schedule the recruit calls, maybe more on weekends. I know with the COVID time, it's not great that people aren't playing, but it's also great because everyone seems to be a little bit more available and flexible and available at noon, which is great time for a call, I think. So I've really tried hard to give myself the time to just be me and be with my family versus, you know, being Coach Wilson. It's just more being, you know, mom or Alex. And I think that as hard as it is, it's definitely been a benefit to, again, just all the identities that we all tend to carry. Yeah, that's an amazing answer. That's good to know because a lot of our followers are still trying to figure out, I mean, everyone's trying to figure out how you balance and wear all those different hats. So I think that's great to hear. I do want to ask, and you may not can think of just one thing that comes to mind, but being a head coach, you're going, you said eight, you're going into your eighth season. Yes. So from the first season to the eighth, not one specific thing, but do you feel like your knowledge of head coach has just grown dramatically, like from looking back at the beginning, the first year? Absolutely. I think from an X's and O's standpoint, obviously, there's so much continuing education available for coaches. I know the United Soccer Coaches is one platform that they host an annual conference every year, and it's just worldwide. Thousands and thousands of, of coaches or anyone involved in, in soccer in many ranks will attend that. 
looking at a, a stack of books on my desk right now from, you know, John Gordon, Energy Boss to some, you know, more tactical, technical kind of books. So we're always trying you know, to learn and grow in the knowledge base. But I think a lot of it comes from, you know, what you do daily and investing in that and being consistent with that, but also not being afraid to change. Because I think when we get in this, well, I've always done it this way mindset, that's not that great. I have found because, you know, there are so many ebbs and flows and players change and personalities change and recruiting timelines change and budgets change, hopefully, you know, for the positive, but you know, that's not always the case. So I think we need to continue I say we, like there's other people here with me, but there's not. Um, But I think in that regard, having that flexibility, but knowing your foundation, that's kind of the way I look at it, is that I have a strong foundation and how do I build on it? And maybe I'm, you know, taking a left and then building a story up or taking a right and then building a story up. I think it's having that kind of wherewithal, but, you know, certainly we've grown from year one when we were you know, playing good soccer, but still developing the cultural aspect. That was the first building block for me is how do we turn this into a winning culture where the expectation is to make postseason, to respect one another, to have open communication. And, you know, I feel confident in saying that we are doing that. And a lot of it now is intrinsic to the players. I'm about to open my mouth and say something, the players say it and I can just turn and smile. And that's when we know that that comes, you know, from our belly. That's not just how we kick a ball, which hopefully is is pretty well, but that comes from our gut and our instincts and, and that culture piece, which is important. I love the way that you put that. And I can definitely tell that you've built a great culture and the way that you just talk about your, your program is amazing because it's not just about the ability of the athlete, which is important, like you mentioned, but also having that other piece that sometimes people forget about, I think, in some of these industries. What is your favorite moment? I know this will be hard. What is your favorite moment from coaching? It has to be our 2016 season. Um, That was my fourth year as a head coach. So my first kind of full cycle of freshmen to seniors. And we won the Northeast 10 championship. And that was the first time Stonehill had won the championship in 21 years. So none of my seniors were actually alive the last time we won it. And I remember the pregame speech, I just walked in and I said, ladies, you were born for this. Let's go do it. And it's true that none of them were alive. And we walked out on that field as the four seed uh, and we won two to one. And it was just a fantastic, fantastic year. You know, we had a, an All-American, my first All-American. I know when I started coaching, I was like, I want to want to produce an All-American. And it may seem kind of like a, a silly mindset, but for us in this coaching career, obviously it's all selfless. And if we can help others with their dreams and to, you know, produce the first dual All-American in in program history. She was an academic All-American and All-American. And that is now my assistant coach, Jamie Block. So I think when you see someone come into a program with their dreams and you can help them achieve that, and then obviously win a championship in the process, I have to, you know, give kudos right now to, to 2016 still is my favorite moment. I got chills. I was like, I feel like I'm there, like experiencing the <laughs> <I know>. game. <laughs> the replays still chills every time. It does not get old. You're right. Uh, that's that. the best. I feel like, you know, since you're involved in the game so much, even us, even though we're not physically coaching or playing, you get so wrapped up in it that you just want it so bad for your team. So I can definitely feel that. I do want to know what kind of culture. So you said that you have created this culture with the women that play together, but I do know that that 
was a lot of hard work to get all these women from different backgrounds and cultures and places that they grew up and put them on a team where they're with each other a lot, a lot of time. So I want to know, how do you keep, you know, their mindset on the goal of like, we are one team, we're united, we're trying to get one goal. So what is some things that you've told them to get them into that mindset? That's such a great point. I always say, if any coach says it's roses all the time, they're probably lying a little bit. I think the basis for us is we have a team handbook and a lot of the words that are bolded on the first page are respect, communication, privilege, because all of those things are what it's about to be a student athlete. We did take a little play on words with our name, Stonehill, the O-N-E in the middle. Uh, We've bolded, it's one. So we really kind of have our hashtags on our social media and a lot of our campaigns, we always say Stonehill, you know, one mindset, one team, one family. And it's true. And while there are disagreements and there's competitive fire in all of them, they understand that the more they can work cooperatively together towards a common goal, and they may have no other commonalities with the teammate. But guess what? You're a Stonehill women's soccer player and you're competing this season to achieve X, Y, Z. And I think that if they can grasp that and understand that there are bigger things and, you know, that helps them, I think, all respect one another. And I think at the end of the day, they're awesome women. We recruit that and they do live together on campus. They visit each other in the summer. We have players that visit one another when one is abroad. And I mean, that's a commitment, you know, going overseas to visit one another. And I just think that at the end of the day, my goal is always to produce the best women that I can. And again, if we can win championships and get, better as athletes in the process. I know that if you impact the person first, the rest, it kind of carries along. It trails along. And I think that's why we try and, you know, teach each other how to shake hands and make eye contact and all those little interpersonal skills that they will use on the field, but they'll use a lot more off the field. And I think that's what's going to carry them into those healthy relationships throughout their life. You have such strong values and like, I think such a strong culture for this whole environment that you're creating there. Did you have something that kind of built you that way from when you were a player or a coach that inspired you to kind of adapt these different qualities that you wanted to have as a coach? I think one of the things that's given me that kind of family mindset or that cooperative mindset is growing up playing with my twin sister, Hillary. She was a center back. I was a goalkeeper. So of course, very close in proximity on the field. And I think a lot of it was about how do I take care of this relationship as a teammate, but then also, you know, as my best friend and my sister, and we did play at college together and we roomed together. So I think that's unique in itself, but having that family mindset playing with her definitely has carried me into who I am as a professional. But I know that a lot of my experiences, you know, pulling from the good and even learning from maybe what I didn't like from coaches that I had or seasons that I experienced, I think it's important to not just put aside the bad or, or maybe the what you didn't like, but again, to take it and to mold it. Um, I know that my uh, collegiate coach was a super fiery, competitive person, really good X's and O's, but always, always supported me. Even if it was yelling, I'm fine because I know that he wants me to be successful. And I feel that, you know, I took that same role where I will do anything for my player's success. And maybe I deliver my message differently in terms of how I communicate. But I know that a lot of that has just instilled in me from my time at Stonehall as a player. And then, you know, through graduate school, working with another coach, his style, very, very different, but it gave me a good mindset to say, okay, you know, I like this aspect, so I don't like this aspect. So I think having the ability to travel and experience different coaches, both as a player and then as an assistant coach really allows you to build, you know, your portfolio or your style. But again, going back to what I said earlier and that it needs to have 
the ability to adapt because we learn from the players. I learned so much from my players here. They're all amazing, have great soccer brains. So I love to kind of have that feedback from them. It's not just, all right, this is the way it's done, period. I think it's nice to have the ability to learn from them as well. So it's definitely constant. Yeah, those are great answers. And I'm I'm going to switch gears a little bit and ask some fun well, question because we yeah. always love to ask this. So I know soccer fans are very dedicated and there is <laughs> always, you know, the one that's like the number one fan, diehard soccer person in the stands. So I want to know throughout all of your soccer career so far, even into coaching and playing, like what is a crazy fan in the stands story we've we've had some pretty wild ones from you know one one father maybe following a ref a little bit and inquiring about a call here and there luckily the admin team here was brilliant to kind of nip that in the butt and move us on I think a lot of it just comes from you know probably more positive notes I should say when we travel our team travels so well and that includes our parents they are tailgating pregame they are they probably are tailgating during the game and after the game as well and I think they're such an awesome group. And that was the same way when I was a player. You know, you couldn't go to a game without probably seeing your parents. And that is obviously a plus to having, you know, most of our travel be in New England, most of our roster be from New England. But if we're going down to New York, you know that our New Yorker families are there representing. If we go to Vermont or if we go to New Hampshire, the families are repping hard. And first of all, they're bringing tons of food because we love to eat. So that's always the, the first question is, what do you guys want to eat post-game? I think the girls are sometimes more concerned if they got their sandwich order correct in the locker room. But that's the chance that some of our parents have come up with. I try not to acknowledge really anything going externally when we're in a game. I can't not turn around and give, you know, a little wave or a smile to these dads and these moms and grandparents and, you know, siblings that are just chanting so aggressively, even at away games. You think we are home at some of these games, that the parents, and there may only be 10 of them, but wow, they are wild and I love it. And even when opposing coaches are kind of like, geez, you guys travel well. I mean, I think it's something that you hear about from professional teams, but you know, we've got our, our little uh, contingencies certainly all around the region. And it's a lot of fun to, to have the parents again, shout out to the grandparents as well, because they travel very well indeed. That's so awesome. I just had flashbacks because when I was a player, I remember being like, if we win this game, we get to go to Chili's. Like we're excited <laughs> about this. Like, you know, the things that you think about as an athlete, but if you had to tell somebody that was just starting out in this industry or wanting to get into this industry, one thing that you've learned and maybe you wish you would have known starting out, what would be the one thing you would tell them? I think stick with it and learn and have an open mind because I know I mentioned earlier about it being a patchwork quilt. It is. It's tough. I mean, I was so fortunate to be a GA, but I probably made $4. I got a free master's. So obviously that's brilliant, but there's just not a lot of budget, you know, depending on what level you're at, but obviously there's division one, two, three, NAIA, you know, your junior colleges. And I just think that you need to stick with it and remain confident in your you know, vision at the end of the day, I wouldn't count it day by day because, you know, it may be frustrating where you're like, well, I only made X and you know, the impact is far beyond the dollar. Obviously we all need to live and do the, the daily necessities, but I think that you can really get discouraged by the opportunity that is volunteer. There are so many volunteer opportunities at wonderful, wonderful institutions. And some people may scoff at that again, understanding the need to make ends meet. But I think if you can grab onto volunteer opportunities while you're maybe having your income come from somewhere else. I think that's an important thing is just to stick with it. 
And then I think the learning piece, absolutely ask questions, ask questions that, you know, if you're working with a coach that has been in it any amount of time, but I, you know, I was lucky to work with coaches that have been in it decades and that had coached me and that didn't coached against me. And I think having that kind of perspective, when I was at Franklin Pierce, their coach uh, had won three national championships. So that was something that I still want to do here at Stonehill. So to be able to kind of learn that and see how he managed his program was unique. And I think that, again, you need to learn. You can't just say, oh, I know everything because no coach knows everything. It's such a dynamic. Every sport is dynamic, right? There's trends, there's different you know, player abilities, as you mentioned earlier. So I think it's important just to have an open mind and be a sponge. Yeah, I love all of that feedback just because a lot of people on the outside don't realize really what it takes to get into coaching. And then once you're in it and you see that, you know, in the beginning, you basically the whole GA role and getting started, there is a lot of sacrifice that comes with it. But if you stick through it, usually the end result is very rewarding for that hard work. So I think that's wonderful to see that that is your perspective as well. And we appreciate having you on our podcast. You have just enlightened us so much to soccer <laughs> and gained a whole new appreciation for the sport. Yes. Thank you awesome. so much. It was, it was a great experience great experience. loved it. And uh, I love following along and hearing all the other stories that you ladies are, are digging out there. So keep doing the good work. Cause I think anybody that can have insight into this world and, and our families is going to really understand the passion that it takes to be the coach and, you know, to be family with the coach. So that's important. Thanks for all you do. Yeah. Yes. Thank you everyone for listening to this episode and we'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this interview on more than a season podcast. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at more than a season underscore women's guide for the latest updates. You can also follow our personal Instagram accounts at Ashley M. Kramer and Britt Labby. We would love it if you would download, subscribe, and leave us a review on your choice of platform. Thank you so much. See you next time.